We're in this series called Oil Reserves. You know, that's a term you read in the newspaper, you hear on the news, but we're going to apply it to our lives because oil in the Bible is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. We need to keep our lamps filled with the oil. So we're talking about oil reserves, how to reserve that so it doesn't drain out. Uh, And I'll, I'll start with a true story that happened to me back in about 1973, 74, something like that. Uh, I was a youth director of a church, and I was planning a youth outing up at uh, what, was, what became known as Oak Hill. At that time, it was going to be called Calvary Chapel. They had just uh, purchased that land up there, at, or you know where the camp was. And I was going up to reserve Swenson Lodge, which is the only building they had in place at the time. Um, and I missed my exit. And I went on, went past my exit, and that just exasperated me. Uh, so I took the next exit to turn around. And as I was pulling off that exit ramp, I was still going pretty good speed because it was a long exit ramp north of the camp. And I noticed up ahead of me was a piece of angle iron laying in the middle of the road, in the middle of the one-lane exit ramp. It was too narrow for me to pass it, pull over and pass on the left or the right. Plus, I was going fast enough, I only had about two seconds to make a decision what I was going to do, so I decided to straddle that thing so I wouldn't ruin my tires. And when I passed over that thing, I heard this loud bang. And I looked up in my rearview mirror to see what was left of that piece of angle iron, and all I could see is a big cloud of blue smoke. And I thought, oh, no, I know what happened. So I got on up to the stop sign, and fortunately there's a gas station right across from that. So I pulled in the gas station, I stopped. I got out, crawled under my car, looked at it, and sure enough, there's oil leaking out from my oil pan. I had knocked a hole in the oil pan. So I called up my girlfriend, Anita. She came up, picked me up. The next day, um, went up with my father-in-law. We towed my car back, and fortunately, we had a man in the church uh, who was a school teacher at DeKalb High School, and they had an auto mechanics class that took my 69 Chevelle in and repaired the oil pan, and I had no more leaks. You see, I know something about having an oil leak. I experienced it firsthand. You don't go anyplace without oil. You can't accomplish anything without oil. I know way Personally, I know way too many Christians that are accomplishing nothing in the Spirit because their oil has drained out. They had a wonderful, glorious experience with Christ that changed their lives, but they did not keep the oil from draining out. You see, the oil, the Spirit of God leaks out. Sometimes we pour it out, investing in other people's lives. I'm talking in spiritual terms. Can you follow me? Sometimes that spiritual infilling that we've received from God drains out, and you've got to refill it. Yes. So there's a story we're going to look at today. As you know, I always pull some Bible story out to follow, and we're going to look at a story in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 30. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Notice the direction. He's going from Jerusalem to Jericho. He's going out. He's reaching out, outside. When he was attacked by robbers, 
If you're going to serve God, you can expect that. Satan doesn't want you serving God. You can, if you're doing, trying to do the right thing, you can expect Satan to do everything he can to throw a monkey wrench in that, in your life. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Jesus is using spiritual terminology here. Could it be that Satan has worked you over, robbed you, stripped you, and left you half dead? Oh, not dead, alive, you're half, but you're half. You're only half there because you don't have the spiritual energy on the inside. A priest happened to be going down the same road. So the priest is leaving Jerusalem and he's going down, he's reaching out, going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, by the way, the, the Levites are like the deacons of the church. They're the ones that want to get their hands involved in the real nuts and bolts of ministry and serving. When he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, by the way, you need to know the Samaritans are the people that everybody hated. They're the people from the other side of the tracks. They're the, they're the uh, troublemakers. They're the people that can't seem to get their life together. How many know somebody like that? Just can't get their life together. Those are the Samaritans. He's, he's, using, uh, he's typifying that. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. That's significant. We're going to come back and talk about that. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, that's a monetary amount, and gave them to, to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, oh, remember that phrase, when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Listen, don't get too discouraged. There are times you give out to invest in other people. You pour out the, the spiritual oil that God's put inside of you to someone else to help, in someone else to help them in their spiritual journey, and you get no reward. Listen, Jesus said, when I return, when I return, I'll reimburse everything. Nobody gets taken advantage of in the kingdom of God. This is good news. Verse, uh, where are we at? Oh yeah, I'm 36, we'll, we'll throw this in here. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? That's an open question, you know. The Bible doesn't give us an answer. Spiritual people know the answer to that. Everybody knows it was the Samaritan. This is a story about Jesus. He is telling about himself and what he came to do. He came to redeem us to give us hope. He came to rescue us. He finds people who are beaten, robbed, stripped, and left half dead, and he goes after them. Yeah. I know some of your stories. You were half dead when Jesus found you. You were blind. 
You were robbed. You had nothing left. And Jesus found you and rebuilt you because he's the good Samaritan. Samaritan's not a good term. It's not, it's, it's not a compliment. It's an insult for the Jews. But he calls himself a good Samaritan. He's identifying with us. So I want to share some, uh, some thoughts here about the Samaritan. He had oil with him. When he found this guy, he had some oil to put on his wounds. Now, back then, they would have carried that oil in a leather pouch. What would happen if that leather pouch got perforated somehow? Some tears in it, got punctured somewhere along the line. That oil would have drained out. And when he came to this divine coincidence, came to the road, and here's this man down in the ditch, he couldn't have helped him because he wouldn't have had any oil. You and I, we've got to keep our oil pouch filled up. I want to talk about some things in our life, and I've got to kind of hurry because i got ten of these. So i got two minutes each to go through these ten things that puncture, perforate our pouch. Here's the first thing. The cares of this world. In Mark chapter 4, verse 19, it says, Jesus said, And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Yep. The cares of this world will deplete your oil supply, will drain your oil reserves. Distractions. A distraction is something to get you to get your eyes off what you should be looking at over onto something else. And Satan knows how to get our attention over here someplace. Like politics. Oh, if we just get my candidate elected, it'll save the world. Uh, give me a break. Politics or politics. Your candidate's not going to save the world. Only Jesus Christ is going to yeah. save the world. Distractions. The second thing he says, deceitfulness of riches. Did you know riches are deceitful? You, th you think they'll satisfy. I've been, I've been driving a Chevy Impala, nice bright red Chevy Impala for 11 years. Finally got rid of that thing, bought a new car. Not new, but it's new to me. But it was driven before me. It was driven by a widow, so they tell me. <laughs> 4,000 miles on the thing. Used car. Nice looking. I'm so glad I got a new car after 11 years. Got in that thing. First thing I notice is there's no fog lights in here. I like fog lights when I'm driving in foggy, snowy weather. I want to pull the... There's no fog lights. And then my mirrors, the outside mirrors, they don't have those little lights in them, you know, to tell you that somebody's in your blind spot. I don't have that. I'm going to be driving for the next 10 years without any warnings on who's in my blind spot. And then I thought, these cloth seats, how am I going to keep the cloth seats clean? You see... Riches never satisfy. You finally got 
You finally think you've arrived, and immediately you begin picking it apart with complaints and gripes. Anybody else like that? Am I the only one that does that? Riches never satisfy. The more you get, the more you want. And the third thing is a desire for things. Things that are substitutes for God. God wants to satisfy us. Yes. Stuff never satisfies. We always want bigger and better. Stuff never satisfies. So why would we waste our energy chasing after all this stuff instead of chasing after a relationship with Jesus Christ? He's the thing that satisfies. The cares of this world. Here's the second thing. I've got to keep moving. An empty fuel tank. You've got to refill that thing. See, my wife and I, we have a disagreement over what the letter E on the fuel gauge means. Amen. When it gets down to the E, that's when you pull in and fill up. She thinks, quarter of a tank, that's right, quarter of a tank, you got to pull over. She starts getting real nervous. Maybe, it's, maybe that's because I ran out of gas a couple times. <laughs> to me, it seems like such a waste at a quarter of a tank, pulling in, wasting your time, pull in, fill it up. Next time it's a quarter of a tank, you do it again. Eventually, every four times, you're going to waste that, ec- that time stopping to fill up your tank. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not going to tell that story. <laughs> you got to refill your tank. The Bible says it like this. Stir up the gift within you. You ever had a campfire that kind of sits there for a little while? And pretty soon there's no flame anymore. But it's glowing. And the longer you sit there looking at the glow the dimmer the glow gets. You know why? Because it crusts over. You got to poke it. Some of us need poked. I, I pray, Holy Spirit, poke us. Poke us where we need poked, when we need poked, and the way we need poked. Because it just kind of turns into coals, crusts over. You see, your spirituality leaks, and you have to refill it. Fan the flame within you. Stir the gift within you. Empty fuel tank. Get it refilled. That's why it's important we be here. I hear Christians all the time saying, well, it's not really important you go to church. It is important you refill your fuel tank and how are you going to do that at home? You got to refill it. Being with you folks refills my fuel tank. I get energized. Here's number three. Having sloppy habits. We all have habits, don't we? Sure. We develop, we choose our habits. And we try to justify them. That our habits are a good thing. You know, a nun wears the same thing every day, day after day after day. And you know what they call a nun's outfit? A habit. Because they wear the same thing. You and I need to develop some healthy habits. Maybe not what we wear. Wear the same thing day after day after day like it's a uniform. But let me give you three, bi- three, three habits you have to have. Number one, read your Bible. 
That's a discipline. These are called disciplines. Christians should be disciplined. If you don't discipline yourself, it'll drain out of you. You got to discipline yourself. Reading the Bible is a discipline, and we Christians need to do that. If the only Bible you get is what you hear me read on Sunday morning, you're starving to death. You're only hearing what God speaks to me. You're not hearing what God's speaking to you. Every one of us, we should find a time, first thing in the morning or just before bed, sometime in the daytime, to set aside a couple minutes to sit down and read the Word and say, God, what do you want to say to me today? He'll speak to you. It's a discipline. Here's another one, prayer. It's a discipline. We're all too busy to pray. We have to find time because it becomes a priority to talk to God. As a matter of fact, you should so discipline yourself to talk to God that instead of chatting to yourself while you're driving down the road, you're chatting to Him. He's always first in your mind. And when you're thinking out loud, you're thinking to Him. You make it a prayer. Here's the third thing, third discipline, tithing. If you don't tithe, you're not disciplined. You're letting the world tell you what you should do with your blessings. Instead, you should let God tell you what to do with your blessings. It's a discipline to take 10% of your income and give it away where you might not see it coming back or you don't see it for sure coming back. You're hoping it's going to come back. That takes faith. It's a discipline. Here's the fourth thing. The fourth thing that will drain your oil reserves following selfish role models. You know who the role models were in that culture? The priests and the Levites. They were the role models, spiritual, spiritual leaders. They were the ones uh, visibly living a spiritual life. So they were the models. And when they got to this guy who was down in the ditch, they passed over on the other side. Didn't want anybody to see they were going around. You know, they didn't want anybody to see them. It's not a good image. So they passed on the other side so that they wouldn't be identified with the guy who really needed help. Could it be some of us do that? We pass by on the other side? We don't want to look like we don't care? But we really don't. Following selfish role models. They, these, the priests and the Levite were busy people. They were on a mission. They had a meeting to get to. I mean, time's a-wasting. And when they got there, they knew it would take some time to invest in this guy, to help this guy. So they crossed over on the other side because they have important things to do. They must be about their father's business and get to that conference that they're going to. Are you on your own agenda or are you on God's agenda? Come on. Good word. I mean, we need to think about it. Because God doesn't tell us first thing in the morning what's coming up today. He just drops it in our lap halfway through on the road. So don't follow selfish role models. These are the politicians. These are the movie stars. These are the big shots in our society and our culture. I mean, take a look at their life. Are they living selflessly? That would be a good role model. Or are they living for themselves and to win the next election? That's living for themselves. 
Don't be like them. God's got a better way. He's got a better way, church. Here's number, uh, number five. The fifth way we could get our pouch perforated and drain our oil is not staying open to divine interruptions. This is how God works in our life. He interrupts your schedule. The Samaritan had a purpose for being on that road. He was going someplace. He had a purpose. Just like the priest and the Levite who didn't stop to give attention to the man in the ditch, he was busy. But he stopped. He understood what a divine interruption was. Do you? I've learned that God sets me up sometimes at the least opportune time. Doesn't check with me in my schedule if it's okay for him to drop this opportunity in my lap. He just does it because he wants to test me and find out if I'm really his servant or not. Divine interruptions are the way God works. God has called us to serve. Pastor Adam's been talking about that as we've been getting ready for the SDI thing. He's called us to serve. We all have to serve. Maybe you can't fit it in your schedule to serve in this way. Believe me, he wants you to serve. He'll set you up with another opportunity to serve. How are we doing? With the divine setups he gives us. We need to ask ourselves that question. This next week, many of us are going to have opportunities. Let me tell you how this works, and you put it to the test and see if it doesn't work. Go to the county fair. I know you're saying, well, county fair, I don't want to go to the fair. Just eat that stuff and get sick. Listen, go to the fair. Do what you do. Go to the places you go and let God lead you. Watch and see who he leads into your path. He will lead people into your path that you haven't seen in a long time. That could be a divine interruption. If you see somebody you haven't seen in a long time, don't run and hide from them because you had some bad experience the last time. Put a smile on your face and walk up to them and start a conversation. Just start a conversation. How are you doing? If it's a lady, ask her about the family. If it's a guy, ask him about his job. Just start a small talk conversation and see where it goes. If God's in it, it'll turn around for some opportunity for you to minister to them. Maybe they'll talk about how they're out of work right now, or they got some health issue right now, or they got some family issue right now. Boy, that'd be a great time for you to say, you mind if I pray for you? Because I believe God will help you through that. You're planting seeds. God will set you up with an interruption. Just don't blow your opportunity when he does. You don't, and you don't know who God's going to bring into your life or how the conversation's going to go, so you can't plan. You're just sir, a servant of God. Yes. And you allow him to set that up. So... Not staying open to divine interruptions, getting mad every time interruptions come. Uh, that'd be a good way to have your oil leak out and not be refilled. Here's number six. Oh my goodness, I got ten of these. This, number six. Never run from your mission. What is our mission? 
Here Jesus told us what his mission was in Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. He came to seek out and save the lost. That's his mission. So if I'm in Christ, that becomes my mission. Not just save the lost, but seek them. Seek them. Hunt for them. Search for them. Go after them. Got a lost sheep? Jesus has lost sheep. Go see if you can find them. If we all had this kind of an attitude, the fair week could turn this county upside down. If we would just look for our opportunities. Number seven, here's the seventh thing. Seeking safety. Seeking safety. Well, that, you know, if I start talking to somebody about their faith, that could be bad news. Especially those people. I mean, that could really, really be a hurtful thing. Maybe I should stay safe. You know, if I dig deep in my wallet and give toward that heart for the house offering and God doesn't bless it, you know, I'd, I'd be a loser, not a winner. So I'll stay safe. I just want to stay safe. Safety is the thing that can drain our, our, uh, our resources, can drain us out. Christianity is an adventure. I'm excited every day I get up about what God's going to do. I just stay excited because I've seen God do so much. I've heard so much about what he's done. I want to be a part of it. I heard a song on the way to prayer meeting yesterday morning. Brand new and never heard it before. I think, I don't even know the name of it, but I think it was, I don't want to miss a thing. And I thought, amen. I don't want to miss a thing. If God might do something at that prayer meeting, I don't want to miss it. If God might do something in church on Sunday morning, I don't want to miss it. If God might want to say something to me, I want to be where he's speaking it. Because I don't want to miss a thing. I'm going to have to get online this afternoon and do some search and find out what is that song so I can listen to it again. Seeking safety. Proverbs 133. God says, but whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. You want to stay safe? It's with him. He's where the safety is. So we've got to embrace spiritual risk. Here's number eight. Not seeing the Samaritan in yourself. You think you're so great and mighty and so spiritual? The good Samaritan, Jesus Christ, called himself a Samaritan in this story. We need to see the Samaritan in ourselves. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none, there is none, none righteous, no, not one. So quit puffing yourself up. We're all servants of God. And he wants to use us. Here's number nine. Not asking, where do I see God at work? Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. 
Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. You see, Jesus and the Father wants us amazed. Are you amazed this morning? I'm amazed that people like you and me together could give $70,000 in, in one particular offering. That's exciting. That's amazing that selfish people like us would do something like that. Amazing. So we need to look. Where do we see the Father at work? Do you see the Father at work in that offering? Do you see the Father at work in that project that we, have, we as a church have willingly embraced? Do you see the Father at work? Then we need to join Him. That's where, that's where the, the amazing things are going to happen when we join in. Yes. Here's number 10. Wrap it up with this. Here's, here's the 10th thing that will drain your oil reserves. Not sensing what others need. Before I was a Christian, I was all about me. All about myself. All about how I could improve my life. When I came to Christ, God kind of turned that upside down. Maybe you're still at that place where everything is about how can, how you, can you win? How can you get ahead? How can you somehow have a better life? How can we use people to get us ahead? That's the way we used to think. That's not the way Christians think. The Samaritan sensed this other guy's need. It appears he didn't know the guy who had been beaten up and left there half dead. He was a stranger. I mean, there's no hint in the story that he had a relationship with him, but he cared about him. If you will just open your eyes and look around your world, you will see people all around you that are selfish, that don't know Jesus Christ, and their life is... is messed up and it's not getting any better what can we do in that situation we need to ask ourselves that so what what did he do he poured on the oil and the wine oil heals on the outside wine heals on the inside Paul says take a little wine for your stomach's sake he had a supply of the wine he had a supply of the oil and he poured on the oil and the wine. What do you have from Christ that you can pour out into someone else's life? We just need to ask ourselves that question. And then he realized, this, my life goes on. I still got that appointment down in Jericho. So I can't stay here forever. So he took him down to the inn. And told the innkeeper, paid the innkeeper to take care of him. What, in this story, I wonder what the inn could represent. It's the church. It's the church. He took him down to the church. Paid everything it would take to nurse him back to health. And then said, when I return, when I come back, I'll pay you everything you have invested in this poor guy. 
So in that story, where do people who have been robbed and left half dead, where, where does the good Samaritan take them? Brings them in here. This is the inn. And I'm willing to assume responsibility as the innkeeper to minister to those people. That means every time some new one comes in here, on the outside I say, oh no. <laughs> on the inside, I see an opportunity. This is going to take some time. This is going to take some work because those people who have been beat up by the enemy, stripped naked, robbed, and then brought in here, they got all kinds of baggage, all kinds of hurts. I'm willing to assume that responsibility. Are you willing to help me? Because God's going to bring those kind of people in here. I'm praying it. Please don't let me pray it and then you not get involved in it. We got to have our hands full helping people that the enemy has left half dead. How are we going to resurrect them and bring them back to life? Only way that's going to happen is through Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot let our oil reserves drain dry. We got to keep it refilled. Refilled. Amen. So here's how I want to kind of wrap this up close this out. I want to challenge you to make a rededication of yourself, your personal life, to being a servant of God. Looking for those opportunities, looking for those um, people laying in the ditch half dead. Somebody's got to bring them to the end. wonder who's going to do that. Jesus Christ will set it up, but you and I are the body of Christ. We are his hands and his feet. We're the ones that reach out and grab a hold of someone's life and take them down to the end. I take that as a great responsibility. And I'm excited about it. Because it's also a great opportunity. And I can't wait. If God's brought in people like you into our church, I can't wait to see who he's going to bring next. This is the mission he's called us to seek and to save the lost. So I want to tell you about Jesus and what he wants to do in your life. I want to give you an opportunity to step into that. But I can't make you do it. Only you can say, okay, God, I'll be a servant. I'll step into that. I'll look for an opportunity. I'll speak up when I, when I have opportunity to speak up. But God, you're going to have to speak through me. He will. He will. Amen. Let's stand together. You have to make that decision. You want to step into the plan of God? Or do you just want to watch it? I want to step into it. I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of making it happen. But here's what the innkeeper does. He gets the staff all together. And everybody gets their mind in the same direction. And I want to tell you, there's a fair coming up. And there's crowds of people in DeKalb County going to go to the fair whose lives are all messed up. We have an opportunity to make an investment in their life. It's been set up by God. We don't have to think up some, how can, how can New Hope Christian Center have some kind of an outreach and lots of people will come to it? We don't have to create that. We just go to the fair. 
go to the fair, get some junk food, look for who we can talk to. Somebody that knows us, already has a relationship with us, and just start chatting. I went way over time, but I said what I wanted to say. Heavenly Father, put your peace on us. We want to dedicate, rededicate our lives to be in your servants. Work through us, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We're going to sing one last song together.